welcome to Myelopathy Matters, the official podcast for the charity myelopathy.org. Where we talk all things degenerative cervical myelopathy from the perspective of the professionals, the researchers and the people living with myelopathy. I'm Michelle Starkey, I'm a scientist and the director of myelopathy.org. And I'm Ben Davies, neurosurgeon, researcher and co-founder of myelopathy.org. episode two and uh, we have had some feedback on episode one which is important and we would really encourage because this is a bit of a work in progress and um, it was clear that we had some listeners who who didn't really know who who we were which I guess is is understandable and we didn't introduce ourselves <laughs> didn't introduce ourselves so maybe we should start with that bit yeah good idea so who are you Michelle <laughs> so Currently, as I just said, um, I'm running myelopathy.org, but my background is in neuroscience. um, And I was particularly interested in um, spinal cord injury and stroke. So sort of different conditions that affect uh, the central nervous system. And in particular, the rehab and regeneration from that. So I started on in the regeneration field, looking at ways of enhancing fiber growth in the spinal cord and in the brain, and later then moved on to working more clinically um, and looking at various rehab devices and different techniques of, of helping people get back some function. And most recently, I've been working on wearable sensor technology um, and using that to sort of read out what people are doing um, in their rehab and, and trying to inform how to do it better. And it was through that that um, I came to Cambridge, heard about the charity, and that's where I am today. And a complete field change now because there's no longer any Petri dishes, any cells, any wheelchairs and sensor technology. There is uh, the growing charity of myelopathy.org. It was really funny, actually, because when I was um, a basic scientist, I used to go to meetings and hear from clinicians and think, oh, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Actually, you really need to know the details. But as time goes on, especially if you're interested in the rehab field, there becomes a point where you've got to work on humans and you've got to understand, mm. you know, how these different theories and ideas actually pan out in the clinic with real people. Um, so, yeah, I had a switch um, in the previous job, but one. And I remember in that interview, the person interviewing me was saying, but have you ever worked with humans? And I was saying, no, no, no. So you never did anything in the NHS? No, no, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, the principles still stand um, mm-hmm. from the theory to you know, the practical side of it. Um, so, yes, I, I think, you know. And how have you found adjusting to sort of running the running the charity now, which has been over a year or so? Yeah, so very, very different to being a scientist. Um, I think what, has, what I've most had to develop is my interpersonal skills. So as a scientist, you're often working on your own uh, for long periods of time or in a, in a small group. Um, and of course, with the charity, it's lots of different people from lots of different fields, um, everyone with different areas of expertise. So sort of um, navigating that has been the sort of biggest challenge and the biggest reward as well. Um, so now, you know, we're at the point where we, we really want to try and make a difference and raise awareness about the condition and Mm. I'm hoping as a scientist um, I'll be able to talk about that a little bit from the science side and and then use these new skills to sort of get the the word out there yeah so we'll see if I'm successful so do you want to introduce yourself I guess yes that's Michelle 3.0 and um, 
and I'm Ben and uh, I'm a, a trainee neurosurgeon from Cambridge. I, um, I met Mark Cotter here and, and, and became captivated by this problem of myelopathy, which um, I'm really keen on, on trying to make a difference in. And, and as part of that, we, we realized there was no information available for, for people really affected by the disease. If you searched it in Google, all you could find out about was canine myelopathy, which is a similar disease common in, in dogs. Uh, and we created a web platform to try and um, provide that information. Um, subsequently met Ewan Sadler online, who was trying to cultivate this sort of peer-to-peer -peer support community, which we then merged with and eventually became a charity. And I think it's sort of growing very, very slowly, organically. <clears throat> and um, and that's where we are, really. And um, whilst sort of supporting this charity, I also do have to go to work sometimes and uh, have, have a research interest as well. So that's that's... Me. And the Ewan you refer to is um, the per your your flatmate and from that you were talking to in the from last New York. Episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so I met Ewan through Facebook because he he was running that support group and, and we connected over Facebook and um, since met him offline a number of different times and he really leads on trying to organise and, and and promote that support community and and also inform the direction of the, of the charity and um, I think it's a relationship which is which is continuing to blossom and and, and work really well and. Um, He's also now been involved in some of the research that I do. So it's a sort of growing friendship, really. Yeah, and he's got a real skill in speaking to people and knowing you know, the types of things to say. And, and he's the one that puts out all of our sort of messages on uh, social media and, and really gives us feedback in, on how that's going and, and what people think. And um, so, yeah. And all the graphic, graphics as well. Ewan's um, fantastic with the graphics. But I think that comes on to, you know, why, why do a podcast and... Um, I mean, it really is a work in progress, but what we had found, and again, talking to Ewan, was that the, the connection between the charity and the support group was perhaps lacking, and there was a lack of um, awareness about how the whole thing worked together and what joined up and what we were working on. And, and, and the aim, really, of the podcast was to try and become a mouthpiece to make sure people in the community were aware of what was going on um, and felt part of the community um, through perhaps interviews or, or sharing their stories, but also that we could try and reach a new audience because we were trying to become this sort of flagship for, for anyone interested in myelopathy. Also recently on the website, Ewan did a blog post about um, his sort of use of computers and tablets and how that makes his neck hurt quite a lot. And so I think it was also with that in mind as well that, you know, for some, some of you that are listening, it might might be difficult to sit for hours and look on the computer and therefore you can just tune in here and we'll give you sort of updates on the most um, most recent things we've been doing and people we've spoken to mm. but I think I think you know any anyone has any ideas and obviously some feedback came through um, you know we learned that Ewan did find his hairbrush in, in New York which is important um, but seriously though if there is any feedback on how this is shaping up or what we're doing or whether we should be doing something differently I think this is um, it, you know we're very much open to ideas we we see this as a community uh, and we're day-to-day -day organizing a part of that but it, it, it really is adaptive and, and responsive to what, what what the community needs and wants definitely and I guess the email address is info at myelopathy.org or of course you can connect um, with the team on Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter 2020, it's a new year for, for myelopathy.org and um, I guess January is an important time to think about the future and, and New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so as a quite organised person, of course, this completely stresses me out if I'm not completely ready on the 1st of January to go with my resolution. 
Uh, and I wasn't this year. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to go for. But I think my resolution is going to have to be to be better at staying in touch with people. I think one thing that annoys me about all of this technology these days is there's so many different ways to get in touch with people, which just means there's even more ways for me to let people down by not getting in touch with them. So my New Year's resolution is to make sure I keep in touch with my friends a little bit better. You know, life is a bit hectic, but but I've also been spring cleaning the house, even though it's it's winter, you know, getting rid of the, the things we don't need and passing them on to... <laughs> to charity. other people, oh, the charity, <laughs> the presents. Well, you know, we're thinking mm-hmm. about the environment. We don't want to fill landfill, do we? No, we don't. I don't. But I guess you know, important that the connections and friendship is an important part of of well being and um, something obviously that we try and try and promote in the charity. Mm-hmm. But going on to your first part about being you know disorganised and and also the friend list idea, I do want to mention that I have brought with me your Christmas present. Oh, that lovely. <laughs> Oh, this is lovely. Look, I've got my own Spine Wars T-shirt. Spine Wars, yeah. In a very fetching navy blue. And it wasn't quite the purple that you'd um, indicated was your best colour. No, but dark blue is better than light blue. Is that right? Don't need to go. Yeah, and if you're that. listening, we need more. We need more <laughs> uh, dark blue tops. But obviously, this is a. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, you in piggybacking off some of the uh, the recent film productions has produced these great uh, t-shirts and much of the merchandise, which is which has been doing very well and, and, and again supporting the charity. But I think it also brings on an, another concept that um, that Carol, who, who's one of the um, the team here looking after sort of ideas and, and creativity has come up with, which is May the 4th be with you, mm-hmm. which is something we're working towards in terms of perhaps being a day where we can think about activities to support and fundraise from the charity. And we're definitely doing this from our side. So I'm working together with one of our trustees, Helen, um, coming up with some ideas of different things we um, we could sort of suggest to you that you might want to be uh, involved in. Um, but yes, we're looking at this for the future to be a day when perhaps we could focus on raising money for myelopathy.org. So we're sticking with the topic of New Year's resolutions and looking to the future. And we're going to be speaking to two ladies that have myelopathy and are now moving on with myelopathy. Uh, the first being Tammy Blizzard, who has um, founded a Facebook community page called Moving On With Myelopathy, um, which is now affiliated to the charity and also our other support group. And we're going to be hearing from Janet Crockford, who did an 1,000-mile walk on behalf of myelopathy.org, raising money and also awareness for the charity. Fantastic. Um, so that's coming up. But, of course, we'll start with um, a few updates from, from what's, what's been happening in the last month at, uh, at myelopathy.org. And um, we're delighted that uh, Paige Howard has come on board as one of our uh, admin volunteers. Uh, Paige is based in the States and... Um, of course, has had myelopathy and, and been treated for myelopathy, but um, is very kindly stepping up to support the um, support group. I think it's helpful in different different time zones and different action points because there's about half the community there from from North America and half half from from the UK. So, I think it, uh, I'm really delighted that she's um, she's agreed to um, to to be part of the team. Um, but in terms of the support group, obviously one of Mark's visions was to think about looking at offline communities. And we know from the, the, the Recode meeting in New York how powerful it can be for, for people to meet offline as well as online. And um, we've had an, an inquiry from, from a Brad Barker based in, in Cambridge who's going through his treatment for myelopathy. And he's, he's looking to set up a, an offline support group in, in Cambridgeshire. 
yeah, this is fantastic. It's something, as Ben says, that we were thinking about doing, but it's fantastic that um, Brad wants to do this himself mm. and we'll be interested to see how that goes. We'll support him as much as we can. Um, we've started to think about um, a pack that we could put together for these types of events with sort of suggested questions mm -hmm. and topics to discuss. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah, and I think if you're based in, in the Cambridgeshire area or, or you're interested in, in, in participating in such a group, do get in touch and we can we can link you with, with Brad. And I think if anyone's got any ideas about how this kind of thing can work and spin out and grow, then, again, please please do get in touch. I think it is a, a really powerful uh, opportunity. Um, and then, of course, we have finally, it's been a long time coming, and I guess that can be a frustration, we have finally um, just published some of the results from a survey that we conducted almost, I think, almost three years ago now, which was a survey of the myelopathy.org community, the largest ever survey on on the perspective of people with myelopathy, talking a little bit about their how it affects them, the impact, and, and, and their experience of treatment. And, and then the first sort of study that we put together really look to showcase the significant delays that people uh, the people that face with myelopathy because whilst that had been talked about quite anecdotally by professionals it had never really been recorded in great detail um, and and what the study found was that in 800 people that participated in this survey 70 percent are facing a delay in terms of getting to their treatment with almost half waiting more than two years and uh, one of the interesting things about that delay was that we managed to associate that as a link that if you had had a delay in 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 your in your in your diagnosis if you like then there was an association that that meant you had greater greater disability from your myelopathy and i think that's not something that that, that what well, something that's certainly been shown before that time to treatment is is important in terms of how responsive the treatment is but i think it's the first one of the first studies in large numbers to really show how important and how prevalent that issue is of getting access to treatment is today and when you say treatment, in this case, that would be surgery. Yes, that was okay. in the mainstay surgery. At the moment, surgery is the only the only treatment that can seems to really be able to to modify the, the trajectory of the disease. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And in this case, it would be because the symptoms are sort of diffuse and it's not very well widely yeah. known about. I mean, we, we didn't really explore that in that particular survey, but it's something that we're trying to work hard on because it's a question of why why is it that um, that people face such delays? And the only thing we did have a look at in that in that study was whether certain groups of people have greater difficulty getting diagnosed than, than others. And interestingly, the, the black Afro-Caribbean ethnicity seem to have a greater delay than, than, than white Caucasian, although they're only in very small numbers in that study. So that's, you know, points perhaps, I don't know whether to inequalities or, or, or what, but something to look at. But I mean, those are all really important questions that we need to get to the bottom of in order to understand how we can bring forward diagnosis and ultimately treatment. And I wonder whether certain locations of the country experience differences as well. We attended a conference last year sometime where that seemed to come out. There are certain areas where people are put forward for MRIs much quicker than others. And mm -hmm. um, so there's a certain yeah inequality there as well. I think so. A postcode lottery. I mean, that's that's based in the UK system, isn't it? And I, I can't really speak with experience with the, the North American system, but certainly the, the care pathway is very messy it's lots of different people are involved and there isn't really a straightforward route um to to a diagnosis today and like you say time is spine so we need to change this we do. time time is spine time is spine and i guess that's the sort of latest from what we've been working on in this month um and i guess time to think um and hear from our first guest who um is tammy blizzard tammy is or was unfortunately a veterinary surgeon from from pennsylvania 
who kindly had a bit of time to talk to me in New York following the AO Spine Rico DCM meeting. And Tammy, well, she underwent treatment, I think, almost five years ago now and is um, starting to adjust to a different life, a life which is obviously not uh, 100% how she was before. And um, she's found this support group you mentioned called Moving On With Myelopathy, thinking about looking to the future and trying to be positive about celebrating things that, um, that, that, that she can still do and still enjoys. So Tammy, thanks very much for giving up some time today. I guess um, the question is, why did you set up Moving On With Myelopathy? So I started a group called Moving On With Myelopathy um, because I think I started it just over a year ago. Um, my first surgery was five years ago. I tend to be a very upbeat person. Um, I, I've got a lot of, I mean, just like everybody, I've got a lot going on in my life. Um, and I feel like I've got to attack life with positivity. Um, when I sit here and I think about what's going on and how it's impacted me and changed my life, it's not great. Uh, and I can, I can make a choice about how it impacts me. I can let it make, I can enjoy life and make the most out of it, or I can let it get me down and I can gripe about it and be miserable, um, and just, and, and not get any enjoyment out of anything again. Um, and I would rather concentrate on the positive, try to look forward. There's a lot of bad things that have happened in the last five years. There's a lot of medical mistakes that have happened to me in the last five years, and nothing is gonna change that. So um, I think one of the greatest freeing things that I had a few months ago was just accepting I'm not going to work again, uh, and I need to find what I can do again rather than what I can't. Um, and for moving on with myelopathy, there's a group called Myelopathy Support Online, and it's wonderful, and I was part of it for a long time. And it is primarily people that are preoperative, just diagnosed, they're really scared, um, they're postoperative, which is a really scary time, and an emotional roller coaster, a physical roller coaster. Um, but for me, I found I was stuck in that time. Uh, very emotional, very physical time. And if I, need, if I wanna move on and try to better myself, have a better quality of life, um, I, need, I needed to let go of that time in my life and move on with what I do have um, and make the most of it. And when do you think the right time is for somebody to consider joining, uh, moving on with myelopathy? Yeah, I think, uh, what, initially, one of my qualifications was to be out a year, and it's not necessarily that time zone or not, but I think when people do get out, of, out that far after a year, they're gonna realize in retrospect, they're just at a different mental and physical spot than they were. Um, they're not overwhelmed with grief. Um, they're not overwhelmed with um, all these physical challenges uh, and, and just everything that's posed to us initially. And when, when they just want to move on and they have started to accept what has happened to them, um, surgically, you tend to find your norm one to two years after. If you're not going to improve, if you're going to improve, you tend to improve by that time. Um, so you know what you're going to be having. Are you 95% normal? And life's pretty good. You're, you're almost what you were, but not quite there. Uh, it's, it's hard to continuously being battered by people that are are at a really tough spot in life. So um, 
I think when you're just ready to move on, make the most of things, uh, try to deal with the changes that have been handed to you and deal with them in the best way that you can, uh, then that's a great time to join moving on with myelopathy. And can you give us a flavor of, of, of what might happen in, in the group, what happens and what goes on in moving on with myelopathy? I think um, with myelopathy, you go through phases. Like the first time, the first bout of it, you're in shock. Uh, and then you're going to surgery and post-op, most of us, as that's what's happened. Um, but then you get to a point that you're trying to find the good in what's going on with life now, despite having a radically impactful diagnosis of myelopathy. So um, one of the biggest posts that I do every week is called Moving on Monday, Brag on Yourself. And this is things like... Um, what I said is I made a really nice dinner for my family two nights in a row. And for a normal person, that is not a big deal at all. But for somebody with me that for probably three years, I couldn't make a nice dinner and I love to cook, that is a big bragging point. Um, and rather than concentrate on the fact that I couldn't do it for a long time and I need a stool to stand on so my arms don't hurt, and everything else, I concentrate on the fact that I made a dinner, I love cooking for my family, they enjoyed it, and it was good. Um, and that's, I wanna concentrate on the good that's happening um, in life uh, so I can better enjoy it. Well, thanks very much for um, taking the time to talk to us. I'll, I'll leave you to get back to your your John Denver karaoke, which I think was, was what got you here in the car. But of course, I should just, um, make everyone aware if anyone's interested in joining moving on with myelopathy um, you can either search directly for the group on facebook or you can find more information on our website myelopathy.org so it was great talking to tammy it was a, a real pleasure to meet her finally obviously i i'd heard of her and you and spoke very highly of her over facebook but i think um what she's trying to do is um transition away from 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 a, from a period of time which is very difficult for her Mm -hmm. definitely and I think it reminds me and actually I made a mistake in the last podcast it reminds me when I worked in the field of spinal injury if you keep referring to people that have a spinal injury as a patient it's actually very insulting because mm. they're a patient for the period of time that they're in the hospital but after that they're someone with a spinal injury and of course life continues and you know there has to be an adjustment to that and I think this Facebook group sort of shows that doesn't it there's mm. a period of time where you've just had your diagnosis you're preparing yourself for surgery and all that that entails and getting used to the idea that your your life is going to change but of course after a period of time then it just becomes your life doesn't it and it's a different life from what you imagined um but yes you want to move on mm. and, uh, and I think that's it's something that we've been acutely aware of that you know, whilst we've created this support group, I say we, you and you and largely led that, and the great team of volunteers that support the running of that. But it's not, it's not necessarily best suited to absolutely everybody. And some people come into the group and find it highly rewarding, and other people find it a little bit uh, difficult. And I think, you know, it's it's an example that we need to try and make sure that the support is better focused to individual needs. And I think, you know, we talked about Brad look, developing the offline group. It's about trying to create more versions of those groups that people can find the group that, that best suits them whether it's based on on the geography or based on the time in on them on their myelopathy journey and um i hope with this sort of opportunity to affiliate with other ideas like like tammy's that's something that we can really support yes definitely and i think you know we're really lucky in 
the uh, support group that we have people who've been through the surgery and are happy to talk about that over again with other people that are facing that. But of course, there's other people that don't want to relive this time in their life where, you know, potentially it was very hard uh, for them. And, um, you know, so Tammy's idea of having having a space for all of those people, that they have a shared experience, but of course now they're going off in their own mm. ways and, and mm. living their lives. And I've seen some of the photographs from, from the group and, you know, it's fantastic because very different to the support group where, you know, it's, it's very much focused on the surgery. This is now people out and about in the countryside and, and walking, like Janet. Like yes, Janet, who we're going to hear from a around. second, walking, walking around. Yeah, mm. and I think, you know, I... I learn lots from from talking to people with myelopathy, and I and I think Shirley is one of those individuals, and she's an example again of where you know she's she's looked for the positivity to try and support her her health and well being, and and she gave us this quote which I just think is is a really important one, and and it was it's on the website I think it says I might not have the life I envisaged before becoming disabled with with myelopathy, it's definitely a different road I'm travelling, but nonetheless it's still a life worth living, and I intend to live it. And I think that that positivity and that attitude is something that we really need to try and cultivate, uh, whether it be in, in in the Facebook groups or, or indeed offline. And um, and yeah, I hope we can try and try and create that in our community. Yeah, it's such a positive outlook on on her new life. Um, yeah, it's very inspiring. I think for all of us, it is. And talking of other inspiring individuals, I guess our, our next guest is um, is Janet, who comes from Lincolnshire. She tells me that she doesn't have uh, a Lincolnshire accent because she she came from Kent, although not on foot for that particular journey. But um, yeah, she was an ultra marathon runner. She tells us, I think. Yes, that's very impressive, and I wonder whether that is the the sort of drive that's that's led her to do this incredible feat of walking a thousand miles, not in a straight line or multiple trips. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very interesting. We had a nice chat with her. We did, and I guess we should uh, we should hear from the lady herself. Okay, great. So today we're on the phone with um, Janet, who did an amazing endeavour over the summer, walking a thousand miles, um, raising money for myelopathy.org. So we've decided to have a little chat to her to find out a little bit more about her and why she decided to do this and um, her tips for any of you who might um, think about doing something similar. Hello, Janet. Hello. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Um, well, there's not much I can say really. I've I've had myelopathy for um, no, 2017. I had the operation, and um, I'm recovering quite well. But obviously, I still have some something there. So, what sort of what sort of problems has has it left you with, um, Janet? If you don't mind sharing um, that. It's mostly that my legs are a little stiff, and I have a spastic disease. And, um, you know, just general, really. Just as not as well as I should be. Mm. There are similar symptoms to a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so so how did you, when did you decide that um, walking a thousand miles was going to be the the best thing to do? (laughs) Um, last year, last January, I saw an advert for it. Up until then, I was getting it fed up because I'd, I'd had to give up my job and I was quite aimless and didn't have anything to aim for. And then I saw that and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And 
the more I walked, the more I wanted to walk. So that I, from starting off doing two or three miles a day, I was doing four or five, six or seven miles a day. And got, you know, really got enthused by it. <laughs> So when I first heard about your challenge, I um, was wondering whether you'd walked from one place to the other and a thousand miles. Um, but in actual fact, it was a number of, of different walks. So Yes, I went out every day. Wow, that's, to do, to do that's this, amazing. Yeah. So was it all in your um, sort of local area or did you travel to other places? Almost all in local areas. Um, occasionally I went, if we were away somewhere, we'd go for a walk. But most of them were local. And so start all uh, on the mostly on the flat. There was some hills. And starting in January, it sounds like it might have been a sort of New Year's resolution type uh, type thing. Um, I suppose it was really, although it wasn't that. It was just just seeing the advert. Advert that brought it to my attention at the time, and um, yeah, I decided to do it. Did you go on your own or did you take someone or a dog with you or, or someone else? No, I go on my own, but my dog is too big for me. He would drag me over. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to leave him at home. And so I go on my own. Although, you know, if we're away, my husband comes with me. <laughs> That's nice. How did you um, first hear about the um, charity or did you get involved with the website or Facebook group? How did you hear about us? Um, well, way back, um, not long after I had, uh, not long after I had my my lottery, I searched for support group and found it. So I, I was involved in, you know, I was looking at the the um, web uh, the Facebook group for a long some time beforehand, and when it became a charity, I thought I'll see how this goes, and if I'm still walking, uh, that August time then I'd raise some money for the charity and that's what I did. Yeah, that was fantastic. And I think it really fired up people's imagination because we shared information about, you know, the endeavour that you were undertaking and, and other people found it really interesting and obviously donated. So that was fantastic and thank you for that. Yeah, I think you raised over £100. I think it was um, it was a real a real major achievement. Yes, I was quite pleased. I think there was also some extra that I'd had to pay, I'd paid in beforehand that didn't get accounted for. So, yeah, I was quite pleased. And also another thing, everybody, um, quite a few people that um, sponsored me and also looked up the website to find out more about myelopathy because I didn't know anything about it until then. So it became, um, you know, we became more aware of it. Yeah, thank you. That's that's brilliant. Mm, so that's, that's dual purpose, that sort of fundraising, awareness... Um... No, that's really, yeah. really impressive. So have you continued walking? Well, I had until I had the stroke, yeah. but I am now um, doing about a mile and a half a day, so I'm I'm going to gradually get back, back, back to it, yes. Were you, a, were you a keen walker before all of this? Or Yes, I was. I used to do long distances. I walked um, 100 miles the longest, and anything really I would walk. Mm. And also a runner. I was an ultra runner. Wow! 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 Gosh, the myelopathy must have been really struck things, struck things down a bit. Yes. Yeah, I didn't believe that I would ever get anything like that. You know, it kind of shocked me that I I did get it, but there you are. Just you know, one of those things that happened to me. Now, now, and now, moving on. And and did you find that the the activity helped helped how you were feeling, or 
um, any of that spasticity that you mentioned? Yes, I think it did help. It helped mentally and also it helped a little bit physically. The spasticity, um, it didn't go away, but I think it eased off a little, eased off a little bit. Yeah, so benefited from it. Uh, when, final question, really. Is any sort of tips or, or um, suggestions for how somebody else might take on a challenge like this or come up with a challenge like this? Start off slowly. There's not, you know, a mile a day is something, and then just slightly build it up. That's all, all I can suggest, really. One, one step at a time. Yes, yeah. It's a very impressive feat, and I think it's really interesting to hear it's both helped you physically a bit, mentally. It's obviously the awareness, but also the fundraising for us, which is um, which is really helpful. And, and I, I really thank you and um, hope that uh, those steps can continue. And uh, stay yep. in touch when the next challenge does uh, does come to you. So I think that was really inspirational to hear from from Janet. That's something that she's really taken of her own volition. Something started as a, a news resolution and, and, and became a fundraising uh, opportunity. And what better example of moving on with myelopathy? You know, she's walked all that way and, you know, she talked about the positive effects that mm. it had mm. on, on mm. her as well as, you know, just yeah. the physical. So... And it's I fantastic. think it is absolutely fantastic, inspirational. I think, it, you know, we're really appreciative of those sorts of um, initiatives because fundamentally we are trying to look for ways to fundraise, to support, support the activities of this charity, which, you know, really about trying to drive awareness. Uh, it's about trying to offer different types of support, whether it be through the online or offline communities. And, of course, on the research side, one of the initiatives that we're promoting at this stage is um, AOSpine Rico DCM initiative, which came up with a list of top 10 research priorities and it's trying to focus the world and the field to answer those questions and one of those questions indeed was you know how do we how do we raise awareness and improve time to to diagnosis mm -hmm. and obviously that's the first thing that we're going to focus our energies on um but all of these types of projects um, require funds and and support in that sense um which is why this year we're going to focus on as many fundraising events as we, we yeah. possibly can, although we're very new to this. So um, we're currently sort of racking our brains for different ideas and different ways of doing this, um, both from our side, the management side, but also um, from our supporters. That would be mm. fantastic. So if you have any ideas, um, please do do come through. I mean, Janet's not the first person to have, have events. Frank uh, went to his local football match, I think, and, and, and handed out some leaflets and had a table and um, collected the bucket and things, which was which was fantastic. And I know there's been art sales and, and, and book sales and things. And um, we're trying to focus down, based on um, UN Spine Wars campaign, on May the 4th um, as a sort of focus day event that, that might be able to sort of germinate um, some opportunities amongst the community and, and, and we'll see where we go. Yeah, and there's definitely lots of different ideas. We see that every year uh, with the various different fundraising drives that we that are televised. So from something very small um, up to something that's a much bigger challenge like Janet did. I know my husband's been uh, threatening to do an 100-mile bike ride in the summer um, and if he manages to get there and gets the training under his belt, then he's also going to do it to raise money for myelopathy.org. A lot of ifs in that. I, I thought there's a bit more certain. Is it saying, it like... <laughs> he's registered, so I think it's going to happen. And um, encouraged by his um, 
proposal to do this. Uh, one of our trustees, her husband, has also signed up for a bike ride. His ride's going to be in Italy um, the same weekend, I think. So they'll be riding together for Mylopathy. Is it the same distance? Can they do a sort of I think so, yeah. We could track them, couldn't track we? them. <laughs> No, no. Um, so perhaps we'll talk to them in one of our future podcasts about what they're doing to raise money. But you don't have to do something um, quite as energetic as that. There's lots of little things that, that can be done, you know, bake sales or coffee mornings or things like that. The type of thing I enjoy much more, actually. <laughs> <laughs> bake sales. Sponsored spring cleans. Brilliant. Well, um, thanks very much for listening. And uh, again, as I iterated at the beginning or we iterated at the beginning, it's, it's a very much a work in progress. And, you know, if your ideas or feedback or things that you'd like to see featured or people that you think we should talk to, then then please do do get in touch. But in terms of um, next month, we're going to put the spotlight back onto a research focus as opposed to a focus today, which has really been on, on the community. And we're delighted to uh, be talking to um, a chap called Dr. Arya Nuri, who um, is one of the driving forces behind why we now call the disease degenerative cervical myelopathy. So uh, we'll hear about how he came up with that term and why. And we also have um, one of our trustee meetings coming up in, in February, and it's an opportunity for, for the community to put your questions directly to the trustees. So if you do have any questions, please do send them through to info at myelopathy.org, and we will make sure those questions get answered. The trustees have um, slightly different experience to one another. And if you're interested in reading about them and what they've done before, head to the website um, and you'll find them in the about section there. Um, but yes, get in touch with any questions you might have for them and we'll put them on the spot in the next podcast. Sounds good. Thanks very much uh, for joining us today. And of course, thank you to both Janet and Tammy for giving up some time to talk to us. The podcast was produced by Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. If you've got any questions about myelopathy, the podcast or, or anything in general, please do get in touch. That can be done through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash myelopathy. You can email us at info at myelopathy.org. And of course, there's always lots of more information and support to be found at myelopathy.org.